Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 29th, 2019, including Gears 5 will not support UWP on PC, Star Wars Battlefront 2 developer regrets their aggressive use of microtransactions in the game, and not much more, as this was a painfully slow post-Gamescom type of news week. Before we jump into this week's news, I would just like to make a little comment about the last week or two worth of episodes. You see, the show was growing in popularity way faster than I anticipated it ever would. In fact, I was very confident when I launched this show that no one would ever listen to it. So the fact that I've reached a couple tens of people, I'm like roughly 100 listeners per episode, has been you know staggering success by uh, by my standards. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. However, in the past week or two, the show has ca- kind of stagnated audience wise. I'm not seeing as much growth as I would like. And so I would just like to kindly remind you, the audience, that um, the growth of this episode is not in any means dictated by my my competency as a podcaster or the quality of my show. It is entirely dependent on you, the listener. So what I mean by that is it is your responsibility to rate my show five stars, to tell your friends, to tell your enemies, to tell your family. So, you know, if my show isn't a smash hit success, it's not my doing by any means. And I just want to remind you that if you want to see me succeed, and I know you want to see me succeed, you have to go out there and, and champion my show to the world. So... Uh, Just a friendly little reminder about that, and now we will jump into yet another superb, uh, can't-be-outdone episode of Xbox On. All right, so this week, uh, like I said, the top is a kind of a very slow news week. Uh, Thankfully, it was saved just a little bit by uh, a handful of stories that... Uh, came out yesterday, um, but we'll we'll try to we'll try to extract the most value out of this week's news, despite it being a um, one of those slow post uh, game convention kind of news weeks where there's not a lot of news, and the news that has come out is kind of like of mild entertainment and amusement. So ne- nevertheless, we'll we'll, pro- we'll persist on. So uh, here we go. Our first story this week comes from Windows Central, and it is that Gears 5 uh, might have some open-world-ish exploration areas, as suggested uh, by a response that uh, Coalition head Rod Ferguson gave on Twitter. A user asked if uh, skiffs could be navigated freely or if they would be more linear. Uh, skiffs being those like weird like kind of boat things. I know they're in Gears 2. You, I, I'm not super deep into the Gears lore. I play those games a little more as a passive kind of uh, moderate fan of the series. But they're like those little boat things. Usually they're in the game on one of those segments where like you're kind of defending off waves of enemies as you make it across a body of water or something like that. However, uh, Rod Ferguson replied that uh, they would be operable more freely, leading to a notion that perhaps the game will be a little more open world-esque in that you'll be able to navigate some environments a little more. Now, if this is to be believed, I think of it in more of like a Rise of the Tomb Raider sense where it's like still very much a, a linear game narratively and, and from your mission to mission points, but there might be some aspects of the game that are a little more open-ended where there are some like quasi, like, like some semi-open like world-esque 
areas that you can that you can explore before you really get into like the next chunk of a mission or or the campaign in general. So there may be some open world esque uh, elements, but I really did see this as kind of media kind of extracting a story that may or may not have been there. Nevertheless, I felt it important to include this in the notes because you know every fucking game in the world thinks it's an open world game and thinks that open world is like the end all be all. So I wouldn't be surprised if the coalition is trying to make Gears Five a little more open worldish. Uh, and add a little more exploration. Not that, you know, despite the way I just came off saying a little hard on it, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think when done properly, that can be a great thing for games. Uh, I just am a little tired of every game trying to make itself open world, especially when there are plenty of games that don't need to be that. But nevertheless, uh, this is something to keep an eye out as we uh, quickly approach the release date of Gears 5 in just a couple weeks here. Yeah, we might have some open world-esque elements. But keeping with Gears 5, our next story is more of just a little note to those of you really anticipating the game's launch. Uh, Gears 5 is now available for pre-download, meaning that you can go ahead and get the game downloaded and loaded onto your Xbox uh, or PC before the game properly launches so that when the game does launch, you'll be able to just go in and play the game immediately without having to download it, uh, which we all know can be a huge hassle if you live in a part of the world or country where you don't have superb internet. Uh, it can be nice to have those games pre-downloaded because not all of us are from California where you get those uh, three megabits per second, you, you lucky bastards. So, um, yeah, you can go ahead and download Gears 5 now. Uh, and then going a little further into that, uh, the game uh, now has is going to release a little early. So like the proper release date was September 6th, but now it's, I guess, been moved up a little bit to like September 5th at night. Uh, for example, so North America early access will begin at simultaneously at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Central time. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. 9 a.m. 9 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Central time, and 6 p.m. Pacific time. So that that evening at the same time, the game will launch on all those in all those time zones, uh, meaning you'll be able to play the game a few hours early, which is pretty nice. Uh, so yeah, if you want an extra day or so with Gears 5, that's awesome. And now you can download the game. So Gears 5 coming even sooner than we thought. All right. And then following up with our final Gears 5 related story of the day, just thought I'd lump these all together since it, they're all kind of smaller bits of information. Um, but Gears 5 on PC will be available on uh, the Microsoft Store and via Steam, um, but only as a Win32 app, leaving behind Microsoft's possibly ill-fated UWP support. Um, so this is, you know, before I really get into the story, this is more of a kind of Windows computer story and less so of a Gears 5 story, but I think it's still kind of related, so it's an interesting one. So the way this story plays an important role in the future of Xbox titles will be is is in the way that these games will be rolled out onto PC. So Gears 5 will be Win32 supported, allowing it uh, to even run on like Windows 7. Um, so it's just interesting that, if, I mean, if you have a, a Windows 7 computer that's powerful enough, then hell yeah, you can probably run Gears 5 on it. Uh, but with the lack of uh, developer adoption of UWP, this has caused Microsoft to focus its efforts on Win32, which to most is viewed as the standard for most programs. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be super well-versed on, on what these things mean. Uh, but my understanding is that UWP, which was an, an initiative that Microsoft launched maybe four or five years ago, kind of around the beginning of the Windows 10 era, was this idea that developers would be able to make apps that would be able to scale to, like, any kind of OS, any kind of platform, so that program parity across platforms would be seamless and smooth. And this was, you know, back kind of in the last-ditch effort era of Microsoft being like, you know, 
computers and surfaces and Xbox and Windows Phone and all that, this kind of idea that we can develop our programs to be able to scale to the type of operating system or the type of hardware it's on to make it more uh, adaptable and, and accessible on all platforms. However, this was... I don't know if UWP is just harder to develop for. Maybe it's easier. I don't actually know. But Win32 has been the standard for years and years and years. Uh, and programmers have been hesitant to bring Win32 programs, uh, redevelop them for UWP, and to kind of really embrace this, especially as we've seen Microsoft's initiatives in other hardware uh, endeavors kind of fail or wane in popularity or, or and get their life support cut short you know rest in peace windows phone but yeah it's just interesting to see you know such a a heavily important aspect of microsoft's business which is video games you know to see them kind of backpedal in that effort you know allowing the game to be windows 32 supported only and not uwp which you know might be a, a bad sign for those hoping for when uwp support to continue into the future so i know that doesn't pertain to too many xbox people so you know that notion with my limited knowledge of what all this is uh will cause me to end the story there but i just felt that was important to note uh, for all you pc nerds out there who are going to rob yourself of the proper Gears 5 experience, which is on home console, and opt to play the game on the incorrect platform of PC. And speaking of companies cutting their losses and misdirecting ventures, so this story from IGN uh, goes into a little bit of ad admission on EA and DICE's part um, on Star Wars Battlefront 2, the 2017 um, mostly maligned game by DICE set in the popular science fiction universe of Star Wars. Uh, so DICE, the developer behind EA's 2017 Star Wars Battlefront 2, has spoken up about the consequences of their strong emphasis on loot boxes in the game's initial release, citing that it was rock bottom for them. In an interview with GamesIndustry.biz and transcripted by IGN, Battlefront 2 design director Dennis Braunvall, I'll never get those names right, said, quote, We hit rock bottom in terms of player sentiment, but now it's climbing every month. Initial reception to the game's loot box system uh, set the internet ablaze with negative feedback, claiming that the nature of the game's loot boxes made the gameplay more uh, pay-to-win oriented. This led EA to removing loot boxes temporarily just as the game launched. However, this was not enough as the game underperformed despite turning a healthy profit. Battlefront 2 is also arguably the straw that broke the camel's back in regards to recent debates in, in some cases that have even resulted in legis legislation pertaining to gambling in video games. Uh, Braunvall continued, quote, not a week goes by without us thinking. Imagine if we hadn't launched with loot boxes uh, the way we did. The team at DICE has since kept their heads down and continue to work hard on additional free updates and content for the game, uh, which has allowed it to evolve into more of a games-of-a-service type platform. In fact, Braunvall even cites games like Ubisoft's Rainbow Six Siege as inspiration for turning Battlefront 2 around. He says, quote, They didn't launch the way they wanted, but now it's doing well, and I think that we're on a similar trajectory. So Battlefront 2 is currently... It currently has new content on the way uh, with tie-in content for the upcoming movie release of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which in my opinion is an awful name for a movie despite my excitement for the film. And so, you know, I think this story is really interesting. And honestly, the, the, re and the reason for that being mostly just because DICE is historically such a kind of arrogant, hot-headed studio. And I, you know, I don't mean to talk down on a bunch of studio people I don't know. And of course, that's, that doesn't, that statement doesn't represent everyone. But, 
what I mean by that is just like back in 2012 or 2013, I remember there was, you know, there was a, there was a popular article where um, someone from DICE had said, you know, they'll never see Battlefront or, or sorry, rather Battlefield running on Nintendo Wii U because Nintendo doesn't make hardware that's powerful enough to support their high fidelity, sophisticated games, you know, kind of just touting that they're awesome. Their games are awesome. They're there. It was, it was kind of a snooty, um, snarky kind of response the way they had worded it and everything. And I just remember this throughout the years, dice has built a reputation of being kind of a little snooty and a little uh, up their own ass, so to speak. So it is nice to see them kind of, you know, kind of be a little more humble and, and make a comment and be a little more honest about the way Star Wars Battlefront two has done and the kind of reception it's, it's gained over the years, which I think is deservedly so. And I think it's, it's nice to see them kind of say what needs to be said. Not that they have much of a choice to avoid it because there really is no way of avoiding the kind of shit that came with Star Wars Battlefront two, the negative backlash, the way it really framed the game uh the loot box conversation i mean obviously people were upset about loot boxes well before battlefront 2 but like i said in my little write-up this really was the straw that broke the camel's back the kind of the thing that like made everyone say enough is enough like this is this shit's gotta stop so it's cool to see them you know make that comment and you know they they point out something that i hadn't really thought about mostly because i just don't think about battlefront 2 i didn't care for that game honestly not for the loot boxes just because i thought the game was just painfully average um but they you know they, they did point out how they have continued to support the game they continue to put out free content free updates uh and it, it has turned into something as a games of a service and i just thought that was interesting because there are still a hand like a, a pretty healthy player base for this game there is still a healthy player base for this game and i i just can't believe that you know it's like this the world we live in today is that games can be so successful without the conversation the spotlight being on them you know people only talk about battlefront 2 to shit on it but you know a game like battlefront 2 can still be wildly successful in the sense that you know there is a dedicated group of players that just doesn't you know they're they're not the ones leading the conversation in the games industry but they are playing this game spending money on the game playing all the new updates and keeping the game alive you know as a service and it's just just interesting to, to see how like even i don't know i guess it's just a lot of things this is kind of a mis a jumbled up kind of uh line of thinking but uh just like despite everyone's deep hatred for this game it can still it can still thrive you know based off its dedicated player base and and how you know the people who are out there constantly shitting on star wars battlefront 2 whenever it gets brought up really aren't indicative of the people that are still supporting it and playing it so you can kind of see the the kind of the incoherency between that of that conversation i just thought that was an interesting one but you know it's nice to see dice take some responsibility for their actions and and be honest about something that they absolutely did and uh you know, maybe if we ever do get a Battlefront 3, they, they'll fix that. I really, really think that despite everyone's mission statement and, and like inherent drive to hate EA, I really think EA is going to try to win back the audience uh, over the next few years by really making games with no transaction, no microtransactions or very few microtransactions because they, they are so painfully aware of how much they're hated. And I think it is starting to get to a point where they're, they're feeling that burn a little bit. I mean, look at Anthem. Um, I, especially after the failure of Anthem, I think EA is really quite concerned about their public image because now it is starting to affect their bottom line. So um, they're coming out, they're admitting the truth, they're having their studios say the things that need to be said. And I really think we're going to see EA, maybe not in a more permanent sense, but I really think we're going to see EA in their their studios 
kind of turn things around and, and make good on some on some wrongdoing they've done. Um, I mean, just look at Respawn Entertainment, the guys behind Apex Legends and Titanfall. They seem to be the only EA-related studio that people don't just inherently and vehemently hate. Um, and I think they're gonna they're gonna capitalize on that with that studio and try to extrapolate whatever it is they're doing uh, and try to in, apply it to their themselves as a publisher as well as their other studios. Now that that jumbled mess of a story is over, let's move on to this was kind of a bigger one that that came out just recently. Um, I just put it in the show notes, and it's that Telltale Games, the famed studio behind The Walking Dead, The Wolf Among Us, Tales from the Borderland, among many other uh, adventure games, was closed for good last September in an unforeseen and unfortunate sudden turn of events. However, the developers back, kind of. Jamie Autillier uh, and Brian Waddle, uh, two investors, recently purchased Telltale Games' uh, name and have decided to revive the studio, despite having never been affiliated with the previous incarnation of the studio itself. Along with the name of the studio, the investors have also secured some of the company's licenses. The newly formed iteration of Telltale will reside in Malibu, California. And according to Kotaku, Otili's God, I hate these names. Just, why can't everyone just be named like Johnson? Anyway, according to Kotaku, his background in mobile license development, like Duck Dynasty and Power Rangers, or, or rather he has a background in mobile licensed content and development, while Waddle worked uh, at an outsourcing company, Virtuous and the physics software maker Havoc. The money for this venture is coming from a publisher called Athlon Games, a subsidiary of a Chinese video game holding company, Leu, as well as a group of executives who have worked uh, for game publishers like Rebellion and Starbreeze. So this is interesting, especially with uh, Mr. Waddle, who has worked with the company um, Havoc, the physics engine, just someone with experience in engines. I, I find that a little ironic as Telltale is never known for like a great engine that ran very well so i mean physics engines and game engines aren't one the same necessarily or at all really but uh, it'd be nice to see telltale come back and and have games running in a decent engine just as a little side note uh, but to wrap up the story polygon reached out to the team about whether or not the formed developers would be uh, or whether or not former developers of telltale would be able to earn their jobs back once they were laid off last year after the studio's closure to which they replied that some workers from the original telltale games will be offered freelance roles with full-time positions possible in the future end quote the studio's plans to be re-releasing some of Telltale's content uh, that has since be de been delisted from digital storefronts while also beginning to create new games, which is just really strange overall. So, you know, I pulled this story from Kotaku, and just as a side note, I'd like to add that Kotaku really wrote this story with a weird slant. It's just a new story, but they they did put a slant on it, kind of aggressively pointing out that this isn't this isn't Telltale Games. You know, Telltale will be back as a name, but it's not the same people, and they didn't hire back their old staff. I think they're pushing that kind of like game developers' rights union stuff that they've been really big on in recent. Uh, months or years so there's a little bit of a slant to that argument and it, it felt a little like aggressive and hostile um and i just want to point out i mean these guys bought the name to telltale and they're bringing it back and yes it's not exactly the original talent but this kind of stuff happens all the time look at thq nordic that's not the old thq but it's it's a bunch of guys with money who are using the thq brand name and a bunch of old thq licenses and they're buying up everything else in the world and bringing back that kind of middleware kind of game so i just i, I don't see anyone complaining about that and i mean you don't see people complaining about sega which is like basically a shell of its former self if you look at sega now and compare it to the sega that used to make the dreamcast and the genesis that's not the same sega they've been they've they, they were sold to a different sega sammy from i think of japan you know they were sold in the early 2000s and 
that's not the same Sega, but you don't see, like, every time they announce a new Persona or Sonic game, someone just goes, oh, this isn't the real Sega, you know, this is this is a shell of its former self. It's like, no, no fucking shit. The point of the story is that Telltale is back to some capacity. And while, of course, I do agree with Jason Schreier of Kotaku, who said, you know, the name doesn't make the studio, the people do, of course. Uh, it is nice that that in some regard, this kind of studio that makes this these kinds of games and this kind of content is coming back to continue to make these kinds of things. So, you know, I, I assume many people who once worked for Telltale will be coming back as this studio starts to ramp up, and I assume a lot of new talent will come back, and of course it will never be the Telltale it once was, but this is exciting news uh, all in all, you know, this is us getting back a studio that was lost or rather getting a studio to come in, develop these games that were lost. So, you know, maybe people will get that wolf among us season two that they were promised and never, never got. Maybe we will get more walking dead. Maybe we'll get a bunch more shitty licensed games that we don't need that aren't shitty, but just kind of poor business decision to keep making licensed games instead of making your own games. I, I don't know, but the point is this is, you know, this is exciting news for fans of this, especially this game genre, just because, these kind of point-and-click adventure games, you know, they they experience a little bit of resurgence, mostly due to Telltale, but the genre isn't massive by any stretch of the imagination. So for fans of this genre, it's nice that we're going to have some form of Telltale back in the scene because, you know, these games aren't... We're not getting a lot of these types of games. So this is... this I see this as good news, um, despite the kind of negative slant that Kotaku and maybe some other game outlets may have had on it. We're getting some more of this Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us type stuff back into the fold. Uh, a new studio exists, which will inevitably bring more jobs, which, you know, if, you're, if your concern is that people lost their jobs when Telltale closed, at least you can take some comfort in knowing that some people are going to get new jobs thanks to the formation of the studio. So this is good news to me. Obviously, it's not the same Telltale it once was, but it'll be exciting and interesting to see uh, where this studio goes going forward, especially with the, the the people who are forming it and buying it having interesting backgrounds that aren't in traditional like game development as we think. It's more like mobile development or engine work. So that's all I had to say on that one. All right, I told you we'd make this one a, um, a long one, even with it being a kind of slow news week. Windows Central reports that Sea of Thieves is a game you know that's part of uh, Xbox Game Pass. It actually was like the premiere game that launched with Xbox Game Pass is, you know, we kind of think of it as like not too wildly successful of a game, especially because, you know, it's just, it's just not like the game everyone talks about. It didn't sell like crazy. But luckily, thanks to Xbox Game Pass, it's actually done very, very well. Xbox Games Marketing Manager Aaron Greenberg discussed a relative, discussed some new newish news on the game that shed some perspective on the game's success. Uh, he says, quote, it's been incredible to see the reaction. Talking to both development partners and the customers, we realized that there's there was an opportunity to create audience, create a great value with gaming, and to help people discover their next favorite game. What's really fun for me is talking to our development partners and seeing the success we're having, because we have a lot of people that are making great games. Overnight, they could have 1 million people playing their game because it's become the latest new release or show up essentially in their queue on Game Pass. Sea of Thieves has been one of our top performing titles in Game Pass. It was one of our first titles that we launched day one into our service, and it has built a huge community on both PC and console. So what's great about this article is it is it proves kind of the, the might and the majesty of, uh, of Xbox Game Pass, which is that... You know, it's a place where games that would otherwise get be extremely underrated and get in less praise and spotlight than they deserve can flourish, you know? So, for example, a game like Sea of Thieves, it came out, it got okay reviews. People said it didn't have enough content. There's a good, there's a good foundation there, but 
it didn't light the world on fire. You know, it's kind of a games of service, kind of open, like lived in world kind of deal, similar to Destiny and the idea that it's a kind of game you play with your buddies and you you play that game. Like that game becomes a platform and that's your thing, right? Uh, the game has always been a little popular with streamers, which is nice. But, you know, had that game just come out in a $60 retail format, it would have just come and gone. And I, I'm pretty confident it would have flopped. But thanks to Game Pass, you know, it's offered people who have a subscription to the service a way to try it out without spending additional money. And it allowed that niche community to stay hooked on it because they didn't have to buy the game. They didn't have to buy the expansions. They didn't have to buy any of the stuff. It just the game is there and it keeps you keep getting it. And I think this is really this really speaks volumes to what's so great about Game Pass, which is that, you know, these games that don't that don't other wouldn't otherwise see the success they deserve are having a way to find their community, find their niche, find their audience and, and thrive um, all due to the kind of monthly payment subscription service of, of games that we enjoy through Game Pass. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, see if these gets a little bit of a bump being that it really was the premier game that was launching with it because they 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 timed Game Pass's public release with Sea of Thieves so that, you know, the two could kind of promote each other. I mean, of course, it works for them, which is awesome. But, you know, so you could make the argument that maybe this wouldn't work for every game. And, of course, it wouldn't work for every game. But but I, I see this as a huge win, you know, not only for Rare and Sea of Thieves, but for Xbox as well. You know, this is they don't it shows that not every game has to be a Gears of War 5 or a Halo or a Halo 6 or Infinite or whatever. You know, it shows that you can have these these kind of more creative and potentially risky kind of games that you make. Um, that can find success because you have a platform that doesn't demand a ton of money up front in order to experience these games. It offers a low entry bar a barrier entry. Um, it allows a lot of a large player base between you know home console and Xbox and PC, and it just it opens up the possibilities of this game's player base to to so many people just by sheer install market. So I, I don't know. This is to me, this is a great story because I'm a huge fan of Game Pass. I think it can really evolve the way the games industry works for for better. Uh, and I think that Sea of Thieves is the perfect story. You, you know, like I played Sea of Thieves. I was excited for it to come out. I played it for like two days and then fell out of it because, you know, I don't play games with friends. I realized quickly it's just not my game, but I'm so happy to see it doing well because I was like the, the what makes this game special is like I would have otherwise wasted, you know, conversely, I would have I'm the kind of person who would have wasted $60 buying this game and finding out it wasn't for me. But now other people were able to, you know, people who maybe were a little more smarter with their money than I am were able to say, you know, I'm not buying that game for 60 bucks, maybe when it's 30 bucks, and then they would have forgotten about it and never played it at all. But thanks to Game Pass, all these people were able to just say, eh, I'll download and try it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, it's free. I, I have Game Pass. It's basically free. And as a result of that, it's the game's been able to flourish and find its own market, which is just really awesome. So good news for Sea of Thieves, but more importantly, good news for Game Pass and, you know, the kind of influence and power it can have. So that's awesome. So now we're going to wrap up with a couple of just quick little small stories, which is, you know, our first one being that the Halo Twitter account tweeted out in in relayed that over 6.6 .6 million user-generated maps have been copied from Halo 3, 4, and Reach. Uh, these maps will be accessible via the Halo Master Chief Collection, meaning that users won't lose access to their favorite maps when switching to a new platform. And then, you know, we recently got some information on that a week ago, and now we have even more maps coming. So just awesome news that, you know, all this old content that people spent all this time making will now add endless more hours to Master Chief Collection. And then hopefully breathe some new life into Forge, which I feel like, you know, while still part of Halo doesn't really 
get any kind of spotlight or any kind of focus at all. So this is good news. Um, maybe playing some of your old classics can get you back into the Forge mood. The next small little story we have before we wrap up is that Cuphead uh, has released official sheet music that invites school bands to learn. This is from IGN. So basically the story reads that Studio MDHR, the team behind the massive indie success Cuphead, have released official sheet music for the game, allowing fans to learn the jazzy tunes behind the visually stunning 2D gunner game. The music can be purchased individually or together and will be downloadable in PDF format, making it easy to print out and share with fellow musicians. The songs are categorized by difficulty, offering song options for novice, high school, bands, to professional musicians. Studio MDHR said, quote, We've prepared high school, professional, and barbershop quartet charts of Cuphead's most iconic tunes for jazz lovers of all ages and skill levels. So, you know, this isn't like a big story. I just think it's cute because one of my favorite things about Cuphead was the music. So, you know, if you're interested in learning to play some of the songs, that's cool. You can go and download some of those songs or download the sheet music for all of them. Uh, and it is nice that they have some difficulty ranging so that players of all skill level can jump in and, and learn a little bit of Cuphead's music. So that's a cool little um, kind of side story. And then our final little wrap-up story is that Gears Pop, which did release this past week, offered the uh, kind of tower defense. It's a weird game. It's like tower defense meets MOBA kind of thing. Uh, but I guess that's kind of what MOBA already is. I don't know. It's some weird like lane playing tower defense MOBA game is actually experiencing some issues. Some players have gone in and found that the microtransactions are a little screwy with the game. Specifically, people that are buying the $5.99 welcome pack are coming in contact with this bug where the pack doesn't show up. Uh, and then people wait like days and it never comes up in their account and they're just out six bucks. And unfortunately, there hasn't been a fix to this yet, although I'm certain that a fix is on the way. But, you know, that really sucks. Also, not surprisingly, the game has already surpassed a million players because it's a free to download game. So, of course, it did. But, you know, that's awesome for Gears Pop. I've, I downloaded the other day. I played a tutorial and then like a, a mission or battle or two. And it's just not my thing. I hate free to play mobile games. It is a little cute. It is a little charming. I see the kind of gameplay loop to it and why it might be interesting to some so i do recommend you check it out if you're into like kind of bite-sized mobile games or if you like gears of war i i don't see why you wouldn't check it out if you're a huge gears of war fan but it's not my thing i assume it's not gonna be most people's thing um as xbox gamers because i know real gamers tend to have kind of a animosity towards free-to-play mobile gaming so you're probably familiar with the game already if if you want to play it anyway but hopefully that that little issue with microtransactions gets a quick fix soon it also just goes to show you maybe you shouldn't be wasting your money on microtransactions because you could get bit in the ass and have a problem like this show up. So that's what you get, I guess. Oh, also one more story that was kind of weird. Um, it looked like the other day, like literally yesterday, there was a like a one-hour Xbox Live outage where people were having problems with buying stuff and signing in. And, you know, Xbox support tweeted out like pretty much immediately that they've seen the reports of people having trouble with it and they were working on it. And then within an hour, it was back up. I don't really see this as a news story. You know, these kinds of things happen. Um, Xbox Live is generally a pretty rock-solid platform that doesn't have issues like this, so it was a little surprising to see it happen. But overall, I don't see this as, like, a, a big news story. So that happened. If you wanted me to mention that it happened, I did. And uh, let's get on by reading, going over this week's new game releases. So yeah, there's a whopping total of 17 games coming out this week to Xbox. And for the first time in a while, a handful of them are actually like interesting games. So let's actually go over the, the list of games coming out this week. So yeah, our first game this week is called Wreckfest. It's basically, um, this game looks basically like Burnout, which is a game where you go in car wreck mode uh, and get crashy. So the screenshot shows a bunch of cars crashing under the sunset. 
which is kind of like poetic justice for people that don't use public transportation. My guess is that this game is like one big ad by like public transit to like, you know, don't take your car. It's dangerous. You can get hurt. Go fly. Go take a train. Go take a bus. Um, so this game is really all about public transit, which leads me to believe it's probably the spiritual successor to like that Japanese train simulator game that comes out every year. Um, so that's Wreckfest. Uh, I, I also think Wreckfest has a mode where you go, where you, where you, you like wreck the car and then like it's shot like a guy from reddit r gaming comes up and says get wrecked man you know like r a r e k t get wrecked dude uh, so you can go play wrecked fest it is 3d which is a nice nice addition because you know i'm always interested when i'm reading the games list of the week and some of them are actually 3d games because every game is just like a shitty wannabe 8-bit 2d game so it is nice to see that wrecked fest is a 3d game so if you want to get get wrecked in 3d i highly recommend it it's probably the best the best wrecked game you can buy um in fact just talking about wrecked fest is getting me erect so i'm gonna have to move on to our next game which is control which is out already this is kind of the biggest xbox game release of the summer um and it is xbox one x enhanced which means you probably have more control over the xbox one x version so control is um I'm actually really excited to play this, but like I said last week, I'm kind of boycotting it until it drops in price because as someone who prefers to play my games on Xbox, uh, I'm a little salty that they decided to release a bunch of exclusive content for the PlayStation 4 version despite the fact that both versions of the game cost the exact same. Uh, And since that's kind of bullshit, I said, hey, I'm not going to buy that game. But if you have no respect for your wallet, you can go ahead and buy it right now. So Control is basically a game, you know, judging by the screenshot, it looks like a game where you're like this girl that floats and she's floating through some red mist. So I'm guessing it's just a stupid fucking hippie game. So you're going to be like floating. You're going to be she has a gun in her hand. So, of course, she's well protected. Of course, you got to be protected. But. This is a game basically about, you know, floating through life, kind of pondering your existence and the meaning of life. But, of course, knowing that you can't go through life without being armed to the teeth. So she has a gun because she's not a fucking idiot. She knows that at any moment she could be attacked by a police officer because we all know police officers are dangerous and evil in that um, um, and then so police lives matter. Um, and then so control is like a game where, like, you have control over the game. And so you'll be able to impact the way the game plays. And it's a pretty great game. Um, so it's from the people that make Alan Wake. So Alan Wake is about waking up. Quantum Break is about breaking up. And Control is about finding the control of your life again. You know, after you wake up, after you break up, you need to gain, you need to regain control. So I think the Remedy kind of trilogy of learning to wake, break, and, and then regain control is is really quite a poignant one. And for those of you who are literary majors, I think this game is going to make a lot of sense. Our next game is called MXGP 2019. So this is a motocross game. And so judging by the picture, you got a couple of guys on dirt bikes and they're jumping off a cliff or they're jumping off the dirt track. Um, so I'm assuming this is kind of like a post-apocalyptic, like Mad Max um, motocross game where like, you know, we live in a world where like roads have been destroyed. So everyone's driving on MX ATV, MX versus ATVs for PlayStation Portable. And, you know, they're driving hard, they're driving fast. It could be tied into the Fast and Furious universe. I don't know. I'm seeing some wiring on the bike, which leads me to believe there's some NOS under the hood of that rad dirt bike. So it's probably Fast and Furious meets Mad Max would be the best way to kind of describe this game. Uh, and then, of course, it is Xbox One X Enhanced, which means that when you play it on Xbox One X, you're going to get extra NOS boost, which is really going to make you go fast. So in that regard, it's probably just a Sonic game. But, you know, you go fast, it's fast, it's furious, 
and it's Mad Max inspired. So if you like post-apocalyptic dirt bike riding, I think you're going to have to go with the 2019 edition of MXGP, which stands for Mad Xylophone Grand Prix. Our next game is the Bard's Tale 4 Director's Cut Edition. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show, and what's notable about this game is not only is it Xbox Play Anywhere, but it's on Game Pass, so you can just go ahead and play it for free. So why would you want me to describe this game to you when you could just go play it for yourself? But if you need me to describe it to you, judging by the screenshot, there's a lot of prompts on the screen, and I'm seeing this like enemy with a like a cut in his chest that's got his arms up and he's screaming, and there's a bunch of knights at the forefront of the screen, and there's some wiring. It looks pretty much like Guitar Hero. I think it's a rhythm-based game where like you know like you you match the rhythm, you do the notes like Guitar Hero, um, and then when you get scores, when you get like chains of like perfect perfect moves, you're able to strike the enemies in, in battle. So it's kind of like a hybrid of like. Guitar Hero meets um, Dark Souls, and it's called The Bard's Tale. Director's a cut. Director's cut. So I guess this is um, this is the director's cut of the game. Where usually the game is cut by someone else, so that's pretty cool. Vambrace Cold Soul is our next game of the week, and you know I don't normally read the description, but I'm going to read the first sentence of this game because I think it speaks volumes to what what I'm seeing on the screenshot here, which says a roguelike fantasy adventure set amidst a frozen landscape. And I really think like if that doesn't really tell you everything you need to know about the game, then you're kind of an idiot and you, and you need to go back go back to school when you learn about roguelikes so that you can understand what this game's trying to get across, which is essentially that it's another 2D indie game uh, that's roguelike. So you're going to be wearing robes. You're going to be driving Nissan rogues everywhere. Um, you're going to be... Uh, but it's like, like, so it's like, you're going to be driving a Nissan Rogue like, which doesn't necessarily mean a Nissan Rogue. You could be driving a Ford Edge. You could be driving a, a Chevy Traverse or, or sorry, a Chevy Equinox. You could be driving, I mean, dare I say a Honda CRV. Um, so this, like I said, it's Rogue like, um, no guarantee that it'll be a Nissan Rogue, but if you're a big fan of like small SUVs, I think Vambrin's Cold Soul, a roguelike fantasy adventure game, is going to be a game for you. Um, our next game is called uh, Headspun, and it looks like two cartoony guys about to fight, but in the middle you see like a live action picture of a fucking nerd. Um, and so that game's stupid as shit, and it comes out today. Um, tomorrow, yesterday. It came out yesterday. The next game is called Su- Subara City, which is probably Japanese for Subara, which... Um, I don't know if you know what Subara is, but it's like this really famous Japanese restaurant. I actually think it exists in America. Uh, you may have seen it. If you've ever been to like the mall, you'll see it at the food court. It's called Subara. It sells like authentic Japanese food, like pasta and pizza and salad. Um, it's not that good, but you know, Japanese food isn't that good. It's all about like carbs and cheese and sauce. Um, but yeah, Subara City. So you can play the game. It's out as of yesterday. Um, it looks like there's a lot of city building in it. But, I mean, if you want to get the real deal, just go to your local mall food court and try some Sabara for yourself. Our next game is called Kamiko, which is Japanese for uh, shitty graphics. So this game is an 8-bit game where you play as a girl because girls are powerful and strong and cool and they're better than men. Uh, and in this game, you hack, you slash, and you use spells to get combos. Uh, combos are not, you know, contrary to popular belief, people think that combos are when you, like, 
hit a chain of hits on an enemy, like one, two, three, you know, you get a chain of hits without taking damage yourself. But actually what combos really what combos really derive from is actually the popular pretzel snack combos. So you can get the pizza flavor, you can get the cheese flavor, but either way, uh, this game's all about getting combos. So if you're hungry for some shitty graphics, I recommend Comico It's out now. Now our next game is called Hookbots. Um, now these... This game is like, um, I have, this game looks really hookbox. So you're going to be playing as a bunch of robots and hookers, and you're going to use your hooks to hook onto other bots. Um, it looks like there's about five players on the screen, which means that's going to be hard as shit to control. Um, and the graphics are kind of like that fighting game called, uh, it's called Brawlhalla. So it's like, it's like Brawlhalla, but with hookbots. So if you're into fighting games that suck, then I recommend that. And then we see. Whipsy and the Lost Atlas. This is basically a Kirby knockoff. So just go play Kirby, stupid idiot. And then the next game we got is Gaiji Charenji Kiss or Kill. This is one of those games where white people that are really inspired by anime make a game. Um, so it's mostly in pink and it's mostly about girls with big boobies that are animes. Uh, I'd pass. And then our next game is called Legend of Skyfish. Um, if you've ever played a game called Golf Story, which came out about two years ago, that game was really good. I recommend you play that game instead of this game because it's a really fun game. Um, it's kind of like a light RPG-ish golfing game that's really awesome. Uh, and it's you know it's on Nintendo Switch. I think they released it later on Xbox One. But yeah, Golf Story. Get that instead of Legend of the Skyfish because if you want to play a game that doesn't suck, that's what you'd go and do. Our next game is called Agent A, A Puzzle in Disguise. But the picture is just like a like a Corella Deville looking woman sitting in a chair in her evil laboratory with a cat in her lap. Um, but you know the cat in the lap thing's been done so many times. We already have cat in the hat, cat in the sack, and now we got cat in the lap. And I just think that's kind of stupid. Um, however, I won't write the game off entirely as it is Xbox One X enhanced, which means that cat probably has like uh, like dog abilities because it's enhanced through the Xbox One X. So that's pretty impressive to me. But our next game is called Decay of Logos. Now, I don't know if Logos is like some ancient medieval thing, but I see like some anime-looking girl running from some giant with a, a sword hammer, um, and they're in a field. It looks kind of like Breath of the Wild, but the thing that separates this game from Breath of the Wild is it's about the decay of Logos, whereas, you know, Breath of the Wild is about the decay of Hyrule Castle. So what I mean by the decay of Logos, I think it's a, a play on like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but Staples, like the like the office supply store, recently changed their logo uh, to look as like plain and modern as possible. And so what I think this game is about is about how like a lot of companies, as we move into well into the 2010s, into this decade, we're seeing kind of modern art aesthetic become very plain, very standard, very boring, very muted. And I think this is a RPG adventure game that's really getting to the core of uh, graphic design in in the year 2019 and how we're seeing these logos these iconic logos that were very unique very standout-ish very loud very colorful kind of decay and become you know modern muted former shells of what they once were um so if you're all if you're really passionate about that like i am if you're a graphic design artist like every fucking art student in the world i think you really have to play decay of logos otherwise you can play breath of the wild um which is on xbox i think Dark Picture Anthology, Man of Man of Meaden, uh, is it is I'm guessing it's a horror game. You get like you play as like this preppy golf guy who's in a dark hallway with a flashlight. Uh, basically, looks like Outlast, but if instead of playing as a journalist in Outlast, you were like a preppy golf guy. Um, and really, the only thing I'll say about this game is I'm disgusted by the fact that he's in this dark 
decrepit hallway with like wet puddly things everywhere and he's not wearing shoes it's like the guy's fucking begging to get um sick or something i don't know anyway the next game's called blair witch which was announced actually during e3 microsoft's e3 uh press conference um now this is a control console launch exclusive which means it's on xbox one right now but it will come to other shit later um and then it's also on game pass so you can play it for free and now if you like spooky games i'm going to recommend you play this but judging by the picture there's a guy with a, a camera a camcorder as they used to call him back in the day and he's staring at a campsite which leads me to believe it's probably a pervert game this is probably a game where you're going to find pretty girls out in the wild who are camping and then you're going to spy on them with your camcorder so that you can post uh these videos of these girls out in the wild and be like national geographic here's a here's an interesting video of uh girls in the wild and that's uh basically i think blair witch is like the it's essentially just like the prequel to girls gone wild you know first you got to film the girls then you got to show the girls so you know blair witch if you're into that kind of thing if you're a fucking pervert go ahead and play that game but our final game of the of the week is called newt one this is a very colorful game and uh which leads me to believe it's uh, xbox one x enhanced which yes it is it's xbox one x enhanced now this game comes out tomorrow which is pretty impressive because I didn't know we had the technology to make games this colorful, but apparently we do. So if you're really into colorful games, if you're really into games where you play as little cartoon characters uh, and it looks like you're tripping on acid when in fact you're just playing a video game, this is a game I'm going to recommend for you. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I can't recommend this game to kids as it looks pretty graphic. Um, I see a girl with like her hands up. I think she's doing the OK symbol. So it's probably racist. It's probably anti-Semitic. Um, so that's fucked up. Uh, but... You know, games are artistic expressions, and people should be able to say what they need to say in their game. So that game is out now, um, tomorrow. I mean, if you're listening to this game tomorrow, the game is out now. And that's going to do it for our games this week. That is, um, like I said, 17 new games. It's a pretty comprehensive list. Um, I think 90% of this podcast is just me talking about those games. And now we'll wrap up by talking about the games of gold for the week, which is a final reminder in these last two days of August. Uh, you've got Gears of War 4 for the last few days, which goes away august 31st so download that if you haven't already you got forza motorsport 6 you still have that through september 15th so you got a couple weeks if you haven't downloaded that yet those are your two xbox one games and on the xbox 360 side we've got castlevania lords of shadow which uh, again you've got like two days left on that one uh, and then you got torchlight which is already over so if you didn't download that you snooze you lose you dumb piece of shit you're not gonna get it um, and then I'll wrap up this week by with, uh, you know, what I'm playing. What what games am I playing? I know you've all been dying to know what I've been playing in my free time because I know what I do in my free time is extremely important to you. So I've been playing, and I think you'll be surprised to hear this, I finally started playing Metro Exodus. I'm about an hour into it. It feels like more Metro, and I liked Metro 1 and Metro Last Light. Uh, I think it's called Metro 23.3 and Metro Last Light. And I like Metro Exodus. It feels like more of the same. I will I will say, when that game was initially announced, that first trailer we saw at E3 a couple years back, I, it looked like more visually stunning. It looked like more of like an evolution of what that game was from what I remember it being. But now that I'm actually playing the game, I will say it just feels like more of the same. It does look a little prettier. And I guess I don't I don't have anything against that because I like the Metro series, so I'm happy to play more of the same. But I, I will say it does look like notably less impressive than I remember it being when I first saw the reveal. 
but whatever. It's a great game if you have Game Pass and you haven't played it. I highly recommend all the Metro games. I think all three of them are on Game Pass. These games are fantastic. There's a lot of like storytelling, walking simulator, exploration aspect of the game. There's a little bit of horror. There's like some areas where you're just exploring with your with your lighter, trying to like navigate dark areas. And then there's some first person shooter action, which it's it's a really fun game. It's a really cool game. Really interesting universe, kind of about like this post nuclear war in 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 russia and kind of people who live in the underground and these like monsters and creatures that live on the surface and like the outside world's kind of unhealthy to inhabit now it's just it's a really cool world Uh, but i've also been playing a little bit of apex legends since they have that single player mode out and you know i will say as someone who asked for a single player mode in apex legends forever i quickly realized that i don't like single player in apex legends because one it's way too stressful when you don't have a squad and two, I realized the game has really been tailored to and, and the game's really been geared and kind of balanced for th- that three-man squad type gameplay. Um, and so it doesn't really work for single player as much as I thought it would. Uh, but it is a limited time temporary mode and I have been enjoying it. So uh, if you want to check that out, that's something worth looking into. It's, it's fun. It's just very stressful. And the game is definitely meant to be played with a three-player squad. Uh, but I've also, like I said earlier, been playing a little bit of Gears Pop which I don't think I'm going to play anymore of, but I had to give it a try and see what it was like. And it, it, it was exactly what I thought, which is just a free-to-play mobile game that I don't care about. But it's cute. It exists. And with that, we got another episode of Xbox On in the books. Um, again, like I said at the top of the show, it is your responsibility to rate and review my show. I can't do that myself. That looks pathetic. I can't keep making up fake iTunes accounts and reviewing my show so that people will find it and think I gotta check this show out. You know, it's at some point I need you guys to take responsibility for your actions and review my show. Uh, I appreciate your support. I appreciate you listening, but just know that as a human being, as as a as a as a human being, it's your responsibility to support my show and to and to get me famous. You know, get me famous enough to where I can justify a Patreon account. I can't wait. You know, I dream. I I talked about a couple weeks ago. You know, I talk about wanting you guys to start to write into the show, leave questions, comments, so we can make the show more of a dialogue. But what I really dream about more than anything is a day where I have enough listeners and enough of a followership on the show that I can justify launching a Patreon account and asking you to support me on Patreon. I can't wait for the day where Xbox On Podcast has a second show that's exclusive to Patreon members. I can't wait for the day where there's vital information about the Xbox that I can tell you that you can't find on your own and I get to tell you, well, if you want to hear it, you got to be a Patreon subscriber so you can listen to my show Xbox on on, which is what I'd probably call my my Patreon show. So be be sure to really support me if you ever want to get to that level because that's what I want. So that's what you should want. Again, you can follow me on social media. I am at Hillary Rodham Clintons. Mm-hmm.